0: Go to the word of the Lord. We're going to be turning to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19, start with verse number 38. John 19, start with verse number 38. Amen. Glad to see everybody here. Trust that everybody had a tremendous Wednesday night. Amen. Amen house of the lord thankful to be back can't say did not enjoy ourselves did it was an apostolic journey on we had 18 to 20 people on our flight those apostolics when we left from indianapolis so we started the trip just having a good time and returned home the same bunch of apostolics we had 34 uh, pastors and pastor wives so 68 people that were there in that intimate setting so good just to. Uh, Share and be ministered to, I didn't skip service I was in church on Wednesday night if my memory serves me well Tuesday night we had one, two, three, four five speakers I think people that spoke to us uh, Wednesday morning uh, we had a panel and then a speaker and then Wednesday night we had one, two, three speakers so I've been in church I've been in church amen, hallelujah John chapter number 19 and verse number 38 starting. And I do realize Easter was last Sunday, okay? And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. I know it may seem like I'm a week off, but we celebrate and talk about Easter or Resurrection Sunday and things along those lines all year long. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you simply about this may seem peculiar, but I want to talk to you about this. An idol, that's A-D-O-L, an idol Jesus. An idol Jesus. Amen. Talk to us about an idol Jesus this morning. Father, I come to you today and grateful, Lord, for being here again. God, once again, back here, Lord, in your presence. God, on this Sunday morning with people that Surely have some type of intent, desire, God, to be here, Lord, with you. I pray, God, that you're able to strengthen us, Lord, today. Pray, O oh Lord, you're able to open up our minds of our understanding, God, with the word of the Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, I invite you, Lord Jesus, into this portion of the service. Make yourself known amidst and among your people. Help us, Lord God, to be... Lord, changed, Lord, by the word of God, that it would find a lodging place in our hearts and souls. It would challenge us. It would change us. God will fail not to give you praise for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. An idol, an idol Jesus today. An idol not I-D-L-E, but I-D-O-L, an idol Jesus this morning. Today, when we're talking here, this is, no doubt, along the lines of the death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, mainly speaking about after the death of the Lord. Two men in particular come to ask about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, none of the Twelve disciples were among the number that come to ask, or as the harmony of the Gospels relate to us, other places in Scripture that they came and begged the body of Jesus. Another portion of the Gospels say that they, these two individuals craved the body of Jesus. But none of the twelve disciples were among those that come asking concerning this, what we would more or less call the dead body. dead body not the living body but the dead body of jesus christ these two who come to ask of this body was one by the name of joseph of arimathea which speaks that he's joseph of this particular location arimathea and another one by the name of nicodemus we know uh just select uh, a small selection about these people uh, because of what we are shared with them uh, about them rather in the scriptures. Nicodemus perhaps we know a little bit more about. We, many could go to John 3 and, and talk about how Nicodemus had a conversation with Jesus by night asking him concerning things of the kingdom of God. And It was in that interchange that Jesus would tell him how men, not just him, but all men must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And it's this Nicodemus that would be the one that would Accompany Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus has, has gathered and prepared uh, myrrh and aloes of about a hundred pound weight, a hundred pound weight according to the Roman law to make preparations for this dead body, if you will, of Jesus Christ. And he is a member from what we can see from Scripture. He, the Bible says Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. Uh, many attribute him to being a part of the Sanhedrin or the body of the Sanhedrin people. He was a Pharisee. The scripture speaks that he is so. He is one that even when some were uh, betwixt and between concerning the Lord in John 7, that some of them, the Bible says, because of what the Lord had said, it was the last day of the feast. And he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me, and I will give him water uh, that he can drink of. And out of his belly shall flow a river of living water. Some people were troubled over what the Lord said. Some even were thinking about taking him. But the Bible tells us in John seven, no one laid a hand on him and that there was even a person that arose among them, uh, Nicodemus, that he just turned their attention back toward the Jewish law and says, can we not can we not a man has to be judged first? We have to hear him and judge him before we can do anything with him. And it's almost as though Nicodemus, in a certain sense, was taken up for the Lord in that particular encounter. The only other time we see Nicodemus is in John 20, whenever he's there asking for the body of Christ. Joseph of Arimathea, very similar to Nicodemus, likewise. The Bible speaks of him, that he is an honorable counselor, again revered to be among the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin court, those that did the convicting, if you will, of the Lord. The Bible speaks of Joseph of Arimathea, of being a man that was waiting for the kingdom of God. Luke even describes him as being a good man and a just man, and that the Bible particularly says concerning Joseph of Arimathea that he did not agree or he did not assent to uh, the council's decision concerning the verdict of Jesus Christ. However, if both of these individuals, which they were, both of these individuals served on the Sanhedrin court and were men that were rulers... Men of power among the Jews of their day. We see their interaction by night as Nicodemus. Only now it seems Joseph Armathia with the burial of the Lord shows up. They are what many have called, you know, the secret disciples serving in the shadows, not wanting to have any type of publicity concerning their relationship with the Lord or concerning uh, having any dealings or connections with him. Yet they both at this time converged for the dead body of Jesus. But they were men of power. They were men of the Sanhedrin. They had influence among their city and their town. They had influence among their Jews. But they never once, per se, except for Nicodemus and saying, shouldn't a man be judged first before we do anything with him? They never once raised their hand to do anything with that power concerning the Lord until he was dead. Didn't do anything with that power whenever he was alive, but they waited until he was dead. And it's then that they begged the body of the Lord. I mean, as an outsider looking in, you think that one that was quote-unquote a disciple of the Lord and yet had a station of power in the secular world that they would use that in such a way that rather than begging for the dead body of Jesus, they would beg for the life of Jesus. Being in the station of life to do so, that they would beg for the life of Jesus, but instead they're begging for the body of a dead Jesus. And whenever they beg for that body, they're going to take that body They're going to do the ritual of what they can do and they're they're going to put spices where spices and and myrrhs and aloes can be and they're going to go through the proper preparation of wrapping him in a shroud or wrapping him in cloth because they got a dead body. Here I think is the the, the crux for Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea is that the living Jesus went through cities and towns, and he altered and changed those things that he came in contact with. The living Jesus would speak words over bodies that were diseased, and the disease would flee. The living Jesus would take authority over unclean spirits, and they would be dispatched. As a matter of fact, that seemed to get Jesus in a lot of trouble with the officials of his day because of what he did when he came in contact with people or came in contact with a circumstance that was the living Jesus. But here is the crux. I think of everything. And Brother Daniel, I know I use you for so much. And I'm so sorry for this. Can you come lay down? You're going to be my dead Jesus. Just, just lay down on the floor however you, you, you wish. This is my dead Jesus. Now see, a living Jesus. A living Jesus is going through towns. He's, he's making spittle with, 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 with mud and putting blind eyes. And they're being opened. Living Jesus is going around and he's taking water at the first wedding of Cana and he's turning it into wine and that which came later is better than that which was there at first. The living Jesus is walking in, into a town where there's a woman with her only son coming out, the beer of a coffin, and he lays a hand on it and the boy that's in the coffin gets up, a living Jesus. But see what Nicodemus and Joseph was begging for was a dead Jesus. And here is the scenario of a dead Jesus. A dead, a dead person, that mortician, whoever he is, he can arrange the hands however the family may desire. A dead Jesus, you, you, you can... A dead Jesus, you can manipulate. <laughs> a dead Jesus, you can put his hands where you want his hands. His feet where you want his feet. His head turned in the direction that you want his head. See, if I, if I can get a dead Jesus, I can live the way that I want to and just cause his head to turn the other way. There's something about that, yeah, they're secret disciples they are not coming whenever there's a living Jesus to get publicity of the people or somehow get the attention of the people, but they are going to beg, they're going to ask when the other disciples are not even asking. These that are the secret disciples are coming. They're wanting the body of a dead Jesus. They're going to put the spices where they can put them, wrap him the way that they want him wrapped. Yeah. What I think today... <laughs> See, this goes all the way back to, really, the Old Testament. You're good. Just lay there. It mean, all the way back to the Old Testament because what they were really wanting in a dead Jesus was an idol Jesus because the only thing that people did concerning idols, they took something that was already created, whether it be wood or stone or gold or metal, they took something that was already created, and what did they do? They manipulated what was already created to fit their fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took a hunk of That's the reason why the Lord said, He said in the Old Testament, if you're going to make an altar to me, make it of unhewn stone. I don't want you to raise a chisel upon it. I don't want you to bring anything upon it lest you would start to manipulate what it is by creation. Because you'll start manipulating that thing and turning it into something that you'll worship. And that's what they did. They took their wood. They took their stone. They took all these materials. They would manipulate them, make them as they desired, their eyes as they desired, their mouth, their nose, their hands, their feet, all as they desired. They would take their God, amen, and they would make their God fit in their home rather than revolve their home around their God. And so that carries all the way up here to New Testament Scripture that I believe what really Joseph and Nicodemus was wanting was an idol Jesus. They wanted something that was already created that they could move and manipulate and just do what they wanted to with it. Why is that a problem? I'll tell you why. Because when we see then Jesus resurrects, oh, we got problem on our hands. Because the resurrected Jesus, the Bible says one of those infallible proofs that he done unto them after he resurrected, the disciples are setting together. They're greed. They're, they're still not convinced that he's alive. They're still not convinced that he's alive. You doing all right, Jesus? They're not convinced that he's alive. And as they're sitting there together, without without any indication, not knocking on the door, not knocking on the gate, not giving them, hey, I'm about ready to come, without any indication, the Bible says that he appears. He walks into the room. People talk about how he walked in the wall, through the wall. And the moment that he appeared to them, the Bible says they were frightened and they were afraid. And the Bible says he starts to upbraid them concerning how they were feeling, what they were doing with all of their grief and their sarcasm. He began to upbraid them. See, people like an idle dead Jesus because a resurrected Jesus will walk into your life and walk into your circumstance unannounced. Unbeckon and will start taking care of business they want a jesus they can manipulate rather than a jesus that will manipulate them oh yeah yes and so what i find even today in our society really these people because we have this concept and this idea today that jesus look how people remember the lord you don't see people walking around with a tomb and a stone rode away around their neck. No, it's with him on the cross. The way that the verb is that everybody talks about whenever people talk usually about Jesus. Very seldom is it that they talk about his resurrection. They oftentimes talk about he died for me. And what I think it is people's being sucked into this discipleship of Joseph and Nicodemus. They want to idol Jesus. They, they like the fact that He died, they like the fact that the blood was shed and the forgiveness is there, but they like the fact that He's a dead Jesus at that moment, and something that they can play with. There's people sitting in churches today, they are still dealing with an idol Jesus. They're still dealing with a Jesus in the tomb because they don't want him coming in unannounced. They don't want him start dictating any instructions. They don't want him pointing in any direction. They don't want him causing any miracle or bringing some type of accountability in their life. No, they want to say, Lord, this is where I want your hand. That's where I want your feet. That's when I want you to bless. That's when I want you to hear. That's where I want you to go. That's how I want you to do. But folks. That's an idol Jesus. Right. Right. It's an idol Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. Uh-huh. The Bible even tells us in John twelve forty-two that there were even many, not just Nicodemus and Joseph. Jesus, you can get up for a moment. Resurrect for us for a moment. And if I need y'all, we'll put you back down. The Bible tells us in John 42 that there were many of the chief rulers that believed on him. Not just the select two of Joseph and Nicodemus that we have in our reading, but many that believed on him. And note that whenever these two went to put Jesus in that tomb, that borrowed tomb, tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, which I understand, folks, is absolutely the, the coming about, the fulfillment of the prophecy of Scripture. But whenever they did this, the Bible tells us in Luke 23 and verse 55, I believe it is, it says when they did this and they placed him in the tomb that there were some, some women that along the journey even leading up to the crucifix had been there, had ministered to the Lord with the resources, and they were there at the crucifix, many of them were, and now they have also followed these two, quote-unquote, secret disciples to the tomb. And notice what the Bible says, and the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher, how his body was laid. It does not say where his body was laid. It particularly denotes they were sitting there, they followed, and they are observing How his body was laid. In other words, in what position are they going to place a dead Jesus? Thank God for Calvary. Oh yes, the old rugged cross. Thank God for all of that. How many are begging the body of a dead Jesus? This is something that was common. This is just not a New Testament thing. This is an Old Testament thing as well. Whenever Saul and his sons in 1 Samuel 31, Saul and his sons were in a battle against the Philistines or the Philistines, whichever you prefer. The Bible talks about how Saul was sorely wounded of an archer, and he was a little bit reluctant, even questionable about whether or not he would live. Didn't know if he did, didn't know if he would, didn't know if he wouldn't. And so since he was unsure, he had even asked his armor bearer, he said, will you thrust me through with your sword? And the reason why he said this in, in, in just was, because I don't want the enemy to come and to abuse I don't want them, he, this is the words, he said, I don't want them to thrust me through. In other words, I don't want them to kill me and then abuse my body. That's what, that's what Saul said. Because it seemed to be a, 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 a custom thing for an enemy, not just to take the life of an enemy, but also then to abuse its body. What that meant was take advantage of it after it was dead. We, you, you see it today. You, you've read the stories. It's almost heart-wrenching, isn't it, to read the story sometimes. Some manic killer that's out here. He takes the life of his victim, and, and for some reason, he doesn't, he doesn't rape that victim when it's living. Doesn't rape that victim when it's living. He doesn't pull out the toenails and the fingernails on that body when it's living. But he'll kill that victim, and then days after that, he continues to mutilate the body, rape the body, after it's dead, because evidently he didn't want to have to contend with a living body. So I say Amen. And so I'm learning and understanding that, that, that people even that pledge their allegiance to the Lord and pledge their allegiance to Jesus Christ, they do all of that for the fact of what the Calvary and everything stood and represented for them and the benefits and the perks that that had for them. But they want to stop at the burial because they don't want a resurrected Jesus because there's things that they wouldn't do in their life or feel like they couldn't do if they had a resurrected Lord. someone say amen. amen they want an idol jesus and so so saul he was so fearful that he wanted his armor bearer to do it his armor bear said no i'm not doing it so saul went down upon his own sword and sure enough the bible says even after his death and that had happened A day later, the Philistines come. They're they're scouring over the bodies. They're stripping the bodies, if you will, of anything of any worth that's upon them. And the Bible says they take the body of Saul and they they thrust it, fasten it to a wall in Bethshan until finally someone has to come and take that down because those old boys knew this, that they couldn't do that. They wouldn't get by with that with a living Saul, but they could with a dead Saul. Someone say amen. Amen. And so in our churches today, what we need is a resurrected Christ. We need, yes sir, yes ma'am, we need a resurrected Christ. And you've heard me all the time say it. A resurrected Christ already tells us that he had a death and a burial. By virtue that he's resurrected. That already implies there's been a death and there's been a burial. But I don't want just the body of a dead. Look, if you look at Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea, there's all types of legends concerning them. Scholars are making a lot of presumption. You know what? I believe they come to know the Lord after he was resurrected. There is nothing in the Bible that they can put that on. There's nothing in the Bible that can concretely identify that they became true disciples of the Lord after he resurrected. As a matter of fact, we don't hear anything I about them after the resurrection not one iota because I believe they were satisfied with a dead Jesus Yes, I believe they were satisfied with a dead Jesus. They could move, they could manipulate, they could carry, place him where he wanted. But what we need today in our churches is more than just a death and a burial. We need a resurrected Jesus. I'm telling you right now this morning, I need a Jesus that walks in my life unannounced. I need a Jesus that walks into my circumstances without knocking on the door before he arrives. I need a Jesus. Jesus. Honey, I don't want this to be the master-slave mentality that I'm telling him what to do, when to do, and how to do. I want him to give some instruction to this pastor. I want him to give some instruction to this saint of God. McGee, this is what you need to do. This is what you ought to do. This is how you ought to do it. I want to live in Jesus. Not an idol. Not an idol. Jesus. Jesus. And so there's a certain level of satisfaction in churches all across America because in reality they become the first church of the body of Jesus. Bloodshed, so they still get their forgiveness. Stripes have been laid on the back, so they still get their healing. You listening to me? Huh? They still get their healing. The bruising, uh-huh, the battery and everything that Isaiah spoke of, all that still happens, so they are still beneficiaries of that. satisfied then brother Stephen to walk in having benefited from all of those things yet have a body that they can still manipulate what a grand thing to receive forgiveness of sin for something I did in my past yet still be able to do that sin because I can turn my body of Jesus the other way There's no hands being laid on me from a dead Jesus. There's no vocalization of follow me from a dead Jesus. There's no words of if you'll become the least, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom from a dead Jesus. My brother, Greg, a living Jesus is going to have a little higher expectation. The difficulty is not, is not the difficulty of the Old Testament Scripture when we talk about idols. It says all these things that they created and made and they manipulated, they had eyes, but they'd never be able to see. They had ears, but they'd never be able to hear. Noses, but they wouldn't be able to smell. Mouths, but they wouldn't be able to speak. All these different uh, faculties of, of the body, but none of them had any utility or use. They wouldn't be able to be used. All those things, that's the great thing about idols. It has all the features, all the resemblance of something living. The only thing is it's dead. All the features of something that's living, but it's just dead. It. And therein lies the fact that people have a hard time distinguishing. Well, then what's the big difference between them and us? They got eyes, we got eyes. Someone hearing me? They got ears, we got ears. They have some of the common features, just as our Jesus does. But the difference lies within the life, the doing the interaction of our Lord and their idol, Jesus. Someone say amen. I'm not holding you long today. If you'll stand with me. In Mark 16, when the living Jesus walked into that room, the living, resurrected Jesus walked into that room, he upbraided them with their unbelief and with their hardness the hardness of heart living Jesus did that says you all says you all need to address the unbelief that you have in your life right now you all you all got a heart issue that needs to be contended with right The thing is, the reality is Jesus Christ, of course, no longer walks along with this in bodily form upon the earth anymore. The day is over. It's gone. But he has adopted his church to be his body. He's adopted the church to be his body. We need to be a living church. Not a dead Church. Dead church, dead church doesn't raise a hand or a voice against anything that's said and done by the members. But a living church should crawl up to the pinnacle of the steeple. We don't have one right now, but we used to. And to cry, that doesn't look like the living Jesus. I don't want to be a church that can be manipulated. I don't want to be a church that that I can just poise and posture in a way that's, you know, beneficial to the way that I desire to live life. No. I want to be a church that when and if necessary, truth will be preached from the pulpit, conviction will be felt in the soul to the place that I'm saying, here am I, Lord. I think there's great purpose why we were to mirror that death, burial, and resurrection in our own life through repentance and through baptism. Because we likewise needed to reach that place of death so that His Spirit can do some manipulation on a dead life. As long as the old man lives, there's always going to be that struggle. We need a living Jesus, but he needs a dead man. (laughs) We need a living Jesus, but he needs a dead man. Yes, he does. That's right. Yes, sir. That is true. Because on this side of my experience with the Lord, I'm going to struggle with him. When he says go, I'm going to, now, Lord, while he's trying to pull me this way and got my foot, I'm going to be headed that way. But if I would take on his burial and death, as old Joseph and Nicodemus could manipulate his body, and that's all they wanted, he can start to say, "Pat, here's how I want your posture, Pat, just like that." <laughs> No, no, this, this is where, this is how I want your posture. This is where I want to manipulate you. I want to manipulate you just like that. Uh, you. We don't want the tables to be turned. We don't want to be a living man with a dead Jesus. We want to be a dead man with a resurrected Jesus. These altars are open this morning as they begin to play. Come on, somebody today might need to exchange an idol. Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.